I was deployed three times in my military career in the Navy. And one thing I want to point out is that what I learned from these deployments, I learned sacrifice, mission, and core values. Now, there were a whole lot of different things that I learned, but one of the few things that stuck with me was sacrifice, mission, and core values. And I use these these traits to develop the organizational culture within my company as well. Welcome to the heartbeat of Main Street with Forbes Books at ForbesBooks.com and Bank of America at BankofAmerica.com. I'm here with Marcus Flakes. He's the CEO of Commercial Sanitation Initiative. Uh, a company that, I, frankly, I think is on the cutting edge and doing some really exciting things. But rather than me talk about it, Marcus, welcome. And I want you to tell us about your business and what you're doing. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Well, a little bit about my business. It's, it's the umbrella company is CSI, U.S. Military Maintenance. We're a cleaning, maintenance, and remodeling company. And we hire local veterans and their families, as well as patriotic non-veterans with the mission of giving back to the community. We do this through uh, industrial and, and military training for economic development projects, i.e. restoration of homes, cleaning, commercial cleaning, remodeling commercial uh buildings and things like that. Since our company's inception, which was February 2017, we've grown significantly with uh, small business business partnerships that have also enabled us to start a subsidiary venture known as Commercial Sanitation Initiative, CSI. Uh, CSI is a North American distributor of EnviroCleanse, and this company is a combination of veteran entrepreneurs and small business owners distributing cleaning products and organic disinfectants nationwide. So one thing you said, Marcus, that I'm a little unclear of, and I did not serve in the military, and that may be why, but there's lots of people like me who may not understand some terminology. Did you say that you use military training with your employees? And if that's the case, explain how that works, because it's not clear to me. Okay, absolutely. So the the uh, military training, as you well know, um, it's called Military Occupational Specialty, MOS. So within the military, there's a, a myriad of uh, uh, uh skills, knowledge, knowledge, skills, and abilities that we acquire. And one of the things I've focused on is how we can use those, uh, the, the, the exact training from the military and transition that into the civilian sector. So I created this company around what the military actually does, not in all facets. In a good piece, you know, cleaning, for instance, we learned that going into the military. I don't know a better cleaner than a military person. <laughs> and we, we and, all uh, know, you know, the, the, the ability of soldiers to do things like make beds and, and shine shoes and things. It's legendary to all of us just through what we see in movies and on TV. And I suspect there's a lot more to it than what we see. And, and what you've done is, I think, is actually recognize that those are highly valuable skills and that once people are out of the military, you are able to put those, those those, those people and those skills, those veterans and those skills to work. That is absolutely correct. That's what we do. So I want to hear about your military background. before. But before we do, I want to pick up on something you mentioned, which is a product called EnviroCleanse. And I think you said you're the North American distributor. Correct. I want to know a little bit more about that, including this really caught my eye on your website. And by the way, Marcus's company is Commercial Sanitation Initiative. The website is commercialsanitationinitiative.com. 
what one of the things that caught my eye on your website is that there's some relationship between your company, EnviroCleanse, and Warren Buffett or Berkshire Hathaway. Can you just explain that? Because I find that very, very interesting. Yes, absolutely. So uh, EnviroCleanse LLC is it's a uh, division of Charter Brokerage LLC, which is owned by Berkshire Hathaway. Which is owned uh, by Warren Buffett. <laughs> Which is owned by yeah, which is owned by Warren Buffett. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have not yet talked to Warren Buffett. So you know, very large company. You know, I'm just one of the smaller entities down here. You know, making the mission happen for EnviroClean. So yeah, with all with with all due respect to Warren Buffett, um, he he is the 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 man behind the scenes. You know, making a lot of things happen for EnviroClean. I consider CSI um, as having an intricate role. Uh, to distributing these products uh, on a national level. And when I say on a national level, I'm, I'm talking about the many industries that that this product intersects. Which so, are? You know, we, which are retail, commercial, and industrial. And, and so you, you think about population health, health. I have a master's in public health, so I, I think very broadly on these topics. Um, but I'll make it very, very simple is that everybody is seeking organic and sustainable products. And I'm sure, you know, whoever is listening to this call could, could actually agree with me on that. Yes. And so we provide just that. We, we provide a product that is an organic disinfectant, and we provide green cleaning, you know, degreasing uh, uh, formulas within another product. And so we, we've had a lot of traction uh, from retailers, uh, and commercial and industrial, and we, we we're on the growth side at this point. Well, I think when you pick a product like EnviroCleanse, and it has essentially not just the endorsement of Warren Buffett, but the fact that he owns that company and the product that the company makes, uh, I think mm -hmm. that for a lot of people is a level of validation that's that's you know untouchable. It's it's the gold standard. You know that if Warren Buffett has put his name on it, essentially, it must be a great product. And you're now the distrib the, the the distributor for North America. And I assume using it in your cleaning for your clients yourself at CSI. That is absolutely correct. Um, we've we've seen nothing but success when we talk to our clients about cleaning contracts. Uh, you know, not only do we offer our services, you know, with a good work ethic. But we also uh, offer this product, you know, uh, in conjunction to, you know, the contract. And it gives them a double-edged view of what they're getting from us. I'm talking with Marcus Flakes. He's the CEO of Commercial Sanitation Initiative. It's commercialsanitationinitiative.com. Tell us about your military background because it's a very big part of your story. Okay. Um, well, I'm a 22-year veteran. <laughs> I have a very wide background. Um my experience is, is within the uh, Navy, Army, as well as full-time employment with the Te Texas Air National Guard. Uh, I was also a food program manager for the state of California, Army National Guard as well. I was deployed three times in my military career in the Navy. And uh, one thing I want to point out is that uh, what I learned from these deployments, I learned sacrifice, mission, and core values. Now, there were a whole lot of different things that I learned, but one of the few things that stuck with me was sacrifice, mission, and core values. And I used these, uh, these traits to develop organizational, um, to develop the organizational culture within my company as well. So 
Would you say that as a business owner, if you hadn't had that military training, your business would be running very differently? And or, and would you actually look at your military training and say, you know, if I hadn't got those years of training in my 22 years of service to my country, I might not actually know how to be successful at running a business or starting a business. You know, there's a true and false um, to that. The uh, The truth is that um, I gained the confidence, you know, from the military. Um, some of the things that they teach us, uh, they teach us resiliency. Uh, they teach us leadership. They teach us uh, sacrifice, not being all about yourself. So it's that selfless service that comes into play, and um, it, it really brings on uh, your ability to mentor others, uh, which I do on a daily basis for other business owners that seek me out and want to know what I'm doing and, and how I can help them. Um, but uh, as as far as false, I would say if I never had gone to the military, I had interest prior to enlisting in the military. And it was business and health. So looking, you know, in hindsight, I think I would have, you know, gone to school a lot earlier than I did and picked up a lot of knowledge, skills and abilities. And perhaps just like every other small business owner who hasn't who doesn't have a a military background, they're very successful as well. I really can't take that credit away. So what you're pointing to is that. By serving that time in the military, in a sense, you sacrifice something else that was of interest to you for a long, long time, for 22 years, which was your interest in business and health. Uh, so it's it's just interesting hearing your perspective on this, because I think, frankly, for many of us, if we haven't served, we don't think about the idea. Uh, we, we know that veterans come out of the military and then most of us in business know that they make great employees, particularly in the areas where they have trained. But we don't, I don't think most people today don't yet have the idea of what great entrepreneurs veterans make. Did you find in starting your business, and I don't know if this was your first business or you've started others, but in your time as a veteran starting businesses, have you found that there are certain hurdles that have been bigger hurdles for you because you were a veteran? Um, I have. I have. Starting out with employment, usually when a veteran comes off active duty or gets out of the National Guard, they're they're taking on a new journey, so to speak. Okay, so we close that chapter and we start a new chapter here. And one one of the the first attempts is getting a job, not not just any job, but a higher paying job using the skill sets that they have uh, acquired from the military. Now, when they get that. This is where the problem starts. Either you're overqualified or you just don't have what that company is looking for. Hmm. And and so it's been a question for a long time as to why is it like that. Now, what happens to that veteran after they get so many no's, it becomes very frustrating. And they start to – their resilience, their training, their resilience training starts to kick in. Because they're not going to give up. They have no quit in them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they turn to entrepreneurship. And many, you know, there, there's groups out there. You know, I'm, I'm a member of several groups with over a million veterans involved, sharing information with one another, trying to make it easier on, um, um, on their comrades, you know, because quite frankly, you know, one veteran has more experience than the other. So it's a beautiful thing because they're able to share that. 
You know, it's interesting. The uh, There was a study published by the Department of Veteran Affairs in 2017 last year that said n- that veterans are nearly twice as likely to be self-employed compared to non-veterans. And 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 I looked at that, and on one hand, I, I was surprised, and on the other hand, I wasn't. I, I could see a case being made either way, but that's the statistic. But it never occurred to me that the process might be, as you're describing, that veterans get out of the service and then actually have a hard time getting an an appropriate and better paying job for given their skill level, they might be overqualified. And that only after that experience, do they turn to entrepreneurship? I I just assumed that a lot of veterans got out. And when surveying the landscape of opportunity might think, oh, I can get a job, I can go into this kind of industry, or I can start my own business. Do you have a sense of of how many veterans go through that process of having a hard time getting a job because they're they're overqualified and turning to entrepreneurship versus taking that on as their first thing directly out of coming out of the service? I think you know the percentile is is pretty high. Having a problem finding a job initially, I think that percentage is somewhere around forty percent. And then after that, you know, is when different veterans will, will think about different opportunities. So I'm starting the civilian sector and start looking for a private, you know, private, um, private owned company and want to work for them, you know, maybe a food distributing company or something like that. And if they don't have any luck there, they usually turn to federal employment. Mm-hmm. Now the, the, you know, there's a lot of veterans looking for federal employment and, and, uh, and unfortunately these federal agencies can't hire everybody. Yes. You know, they can't hire everybody. So they get very, very picky and selective about, you know, uh, which veteran we're going to hire. And that's why they have those those preferences. So if you're uh, service disabled, 50 percent or 100 percent, those go to the top, you know, and the people who don't have a disability, you know, um, they're competing with the rest of the uh, applicants. Yes. With only a five point preference or so. Other than that, when they exhaust those opportunities. Then they start looking at, okay, well, what can I do? You know, and it's usually entrepreneurship. So they start thinking about, well, what did I do in the military? Maybe I can start up a security company because I was a military police. Maybe I can start up a restaurant because um, I was a culinary specialist. So you kind of see the, 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 the correlation of why they select different industries to start a business in. So I'm wondering if you have ideas. So I'm going to ask this question in three levels. I'm wondering if you have ideas for things we, as the individuals listening, can do to help veterans uh, either overcome the hump of getting a job because of what you said, among other things, being overqualified, or more quickly move to the idea of being an entrepreneur. So what can we as individuals do? Because we all have family and friends who are veterans, and, and many of them are, are returning veterans or veterans uh, looking for different career opportunities. But I'm also wondering beyond us as individuals, and some people listening to this own small businesses or would consider starting another small business or another division as, as in a sense you've done. But I'm also wondering if you think there's things that government should be doing, like Veterans Affairs, and if there's things the federal government should be doing to make this process better for veterans who are no longer serving? That, that's a really good question, uh, Greg. 
I'm not sure if I can fully answer that, but I'm going to uh, definitely give you my take on it. You know, whether it's government, nonprofit, or corporate entities, personally, I'd like to see them as stakeholders, such as the SBA, and investors take an interest in, you know, business plans that are developed by veterans. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because I think that idea funding is more accessible than credit-based funding. Really good point. Was was access to capital an issue for you? Access and capital is an issue for everybody. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, we, I don't know a business owner who doesn't need capital, you know? Um, So when you're out there looking, where are you supposed to be looking? You know, you can, you can be a part of groups. You can put it in there. You can be, you can, um, you can go on LinkedIn. You can say it there. Um, and there's just so many places you can say it, but that's that's social media. You're not having that conversation uh, with that investor who gets the opportunity to sit at the dinner table and actually spell out what you want done for your business, you know, with the attention of that investor potentially wanting to help you. That opportunity doesn't come often. I- I'm really interested in what you just said, Marcus. I'm talking with Marcus Flakes. He's the CEO of Commercial Sanitation Initiative. It's commercialsanitationinitiative.com. I'm really interested in what you said about idea-based funding versus credit-based funding for veterans. Uh, Are there programs like that that exist that veterans know about? I know, for instance, you know, we're right here on on Bank of America's The Heartbeat of Main Street that we do here with Forbes Books with Bank of America, and they've rolled out a $20 million program for lending to U.S. military veteran entrepreneurs. So I know those kinds of programs exist, but I'm wondering, do veterans know they exist, and could part of the job here be just to do a better job of making them aware of it? Yes, I think I've been doing I've been doing my part as far as spreading the uh the word out about about this funding um that's available to, you know, veterans um for starting uh, businesses, but I think this they're hesitant because this is what they're thinking. Is this just another hype about supporting veterans? Because to be honest with you, a veteran is not really looking for a handout. Um I'm going to I'm going to give you a scenario. If you told me that uh, I can give you money and you pay me back versus I can give you this account and we'll utilize your services and we'll benefit from your services while you earn money that you need, Mm. I Mm. probably wouldn't go for the loan. I'd probably Mm. go where I'm earning revenue. I'm actually working for that capital. Mm. So in other words, so that's, I mean, you're on... I may be wrong about this, but I'm speculating. You may actually be describing something that doesn't exist today, which is, uh, you know, you mentioned idea-based funding. There's credit-based funding, but you're really describing a scenario where it's sort of a work for funding. Does that exist, or is this something that you that you have conceived of yourself? This is something that I conceived of myself. Um, you know, when you sit here and brainstorm about how do you access capital? Uh, there's no rule to how you access capital as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, accessing capital, I do it every day. And the reason I say that is because I opened up another business so that it can be funded by the umbrella business. Mm. So, let's, for instance, if I go out and 
get a $50,000 contract and it lasts for, you know, maybe two months or something like that, remodeling a home. Um, what happens is that I take that revenue from a founder's perspective. I take my percent and I reinvest that back into the company. That's my capital. Yes. Now, now what I've done is I've, I'm also increasing my, my percentage of injections into my assetability of my company. Yes. So now I'm able to, you know, go to the bank and say, hey, look what I've been doing. But in a scenario where some, in a scenario where someone is just starting out, I think what you're suggesting is if there was a program that said you're going to get the $50,000 contract and the $50,000 access to the $50,000 today so that you can tool up to get the job done You've just reverse engineered the process you just said. It just involves having access to the capital up front instead of at the end when the job has been complete. Exactly. Because when you think about it, if if an opportunity were to uh, be presented to any veteran or any small business owner, for that matter, uh, if it was if it were to be presented that way, now, you know, you have revenue, planned yes. revenue. So what do you do? You take that, and now you can use invoice factorization to make sure that you're able to take care of your employees. Now you're managing a business, and you're not just looking for funding. I want to ask you one other thing, Marcus, because uh, this is really a fascinating conversation. Uh, as you're talking with other veterans, uh, do you find that there are similar things that they say that prevents them from doing what you've done, which is starting a business that we as friends and family of veterans could hear. Uh, you might've already had said this in a way, but I want to drill into it very specifically as you're talking with veterans and, and they're thinking about starting a small business. Are there certain things that stop them that you think we as friends and family should hear so that we know how to give the best encouragement to those veterans who are, perhaps the next best, greatest entrepreneurs. So I have not met a veteran that I've talked to that just stopped in their tracks because maybe it was something they read or something that they heard. They usually go into the startup. Um, they have X amount of dollars, you know, um, to start. It's not very much usually, yes. but they're, they're all in. They're all in. What happens is when they start without the right mentor, letting them know, you know, um, you know where those forks in the road are going to be, that's when the confusion starts for them. There's this thing called uh, business life cycle stages. I don't think that veterans, and this is not to discredit any veteran. There are some great veterans out there that are doing some great things better than myself. But business life cycle is a is a education in itself, and it'll teach you a lot about the startup, the growth, maturity, and the acceptance and renewal by consumers. So this is where you're able to uh, understand where your business sits in the marketplace. Yeah, and so really, what you're saying is, for a veteran who wants to start a business, grit is not the problem. Getting started is not the problem. At some point, though, they just may not know what's coming next or what they need to prepare for. And that's where something like a mentor and business life cycle, as you're describing it, can really make a difference. Absolutely, because they'll go from startup and skip growth to maturity. 
(laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, you know, and so you miss the growth and this happens a lot. This happens a lot. They're good companies. They're solid. They're making connections. They got leads and they're making money. And, uh, and this money is not really being invested back into the business. So you're not, you're not growing. Yes. Yes. So they have all the pieces. They just need a roadmap or help creating the appropriate roadmap to keep going forward and continue to build on that success. Absolutely. And here's and here's a a gem. If they miss the investment, the the uh the injection back into their their company, um when they go to the table for a loan, they will be denied. Because there's no um there's, there's a certain amount of uh, uh, injection percentage that must that that the banks must see in your business, mm. and if it's not there, you don't have the tools to uh, generate uh, these financial statements, P and L statements, um, uh, balance sheets, and all of that. If you don't have the tools to generate that, then there's, you, you're going to get overlooked anyway. So by skipping a step. There's downstream consequences you might not even understand until somebody stamps denied on your application. Exactly. That's a lot to think about. He is Marcus Flakes. He's the CEO of Commercial Sanitation Initiative, commercialsanitationinitiative.com, making a really great case for why veterans make such great business leaders and entrepreneurs and and things they need to know about to ensure their success, even if they're at the point where they've started a business and it's doing well, being able to look forward. I think mentorship is a really great point you make. I want to thank you, Marcus, for joining us here on the Heartbeat of Main Street. Thanks for listening to The Heartbeat of Main Street with Forbes Books at ForbesBooks.com and Bank of America at BankofAmerica.com.